0: Hello, kids, this is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison, and every Thursday, we release these special episodes that we're calling Classic Risk Singles. Each of these episodes features just one story from our previous years. If you're new to Risk, you should know that the podcast can be very uncensored. This week, one of the first times that someone shared a story about child molestation on the show. This was a turning point for the podcast for just how raw and just how emotional the podcast could be. The story is by Nancy Sullivan and it's called Life Worth Living.
1: I was by myself in my campus apartment laying on my bed And I was slapping myself in the face over and over and over again. And I wasn't going to class. I wasn't going to my job. I wasn't returning phone calls. I was just slipping away. And um, I wanted to rest so badly. And that feeling turned to wanting to die. I filled up a bathtub with water, and I thought, if I just take a bunch of pills and pass out in the water, I won't have to deal with any of this anymore. When I was in the 7th grade, we were going to watch a health class uh, video on sexual reproduction. The energy in the air is just kind of like, giddy. Everybody's very giggly about whenever they're talking about penises or they're showing, you know, a diagram or anything like that. And they're showing this, like, scenario of this older man who lives next door to a young girl. And then... Eventually, we're led to believe that he does sexually inappropriate things to her. I have a girlfriend next to me, and she whispers into my ear. She's like, Oh my god, that's so sick. I can't believe that we're watching this. And so I'm like, Yeah, oh, it's just totally wrong. And I don't even look at her. I'm just staring at the screen, and I just have this feeling in my stomach. I'm like, Oh god, this is so familiar. I, um, start to have memories after that point. I grew up in the South, and my closest relatives were me and my brother tommy and my cousin eddie and eddie was a cousin on my mother's side of the family and we always used to see them when we would go for vacations he was about 10 years older than me everybody thought it was really really cute because eddie and i were spending a lot of time together wherever he was i was what they didn't know is that secretly Although I was pretending to be excited, I was really very scared. I was terribly fond of Eddie, and I really looked up to him, and I looked up to my brother. My brother was only about a year older than me or so, and it was just cool, like, the things that the boys got to go off and do together. Uh, They got to, like, shoot BB guns and, you know, play with knives and stuff like that. And, um, of course, I was interested in anything that they thought was cool, and I remember... I was on the couch with Eddie. We were alone. I think the family had gone off to do Christmas shopping. And we're watching this movie in the dark. He's laying behind me. We're on our side on the couch. And he starts to grab me very, very tight. His hands have just sort of, like, moved down to my waist. And then they're between my legs. I'm thinking he's going to be tickling me, but it doesn't feel like... Anything I've ever felt before, it doesn't feel right. And so I said, what are you doing? And he says, what, don't you like that? And I just start crying. And I'm like, no, I don't. And uh, he just says, listen, you're going to have to keep this a secret. If you tell anybody about this, you're going to get into a lot of trouble. And so for years, I just never said anything There was a time we were... It was me and Eddie and Tommy. We're all playing hide-and-go-seek in my grandfather's house. And... Eddie takes me in the back guest room. And he locks the door. And he pulls down my pants. And then he puts me on the bed face down. He begins to lick my anus. He puts his fingers inside of me. And I'm just crying because I'm so humiliated and so ashamed. And, um... I can't say a word because if I tell anybody, I'll get in so much trouble. And he stops and he says, now do it to me. And so he pulls down his pants and he lays on the bed and I start to copy what he's done. I just remember every single thing about it. I remember even the way it tasted, the way he smells. The tears on my face. I started to stop. Because I was crying. And he would make me do it. Better. He would say you're not doing it right. Keep going. And I would just continue. And then. After it was all over. You know he puts up his pants. And then he helps him put my pants back on. And then I would just run out into the living room. And just. Just sort of crouch down next to my dad and just pretend like nothing ever happened. I even started to look at old photo albums. and I remember I was looking through pictures, and there's this one picture of me in a red dress in my grandpa's backyard. And I remembered wearing that, and it was me and Eddie and Tommy, and we were gonna go into the attic that's in my grandpa's barn. He has sort of a barn in his backyard. He makes Tommy go up the ladder first, and um, I'm supposed to go up next so that he can be behind us in case anybody falls. But he had positioned himself so that Tommy wouldn't see that while he was behind me, Eddie was putting his fingers into my panties on the way up the ladder. This one time, we were at the beach, and I wanted to sleep out on the veranda of this condo that we had rented. I loved the way that the waves would crash onto the beach, and how it sounded, and the salt water, and all the little sea creatures that I could find, and I asked my mom, and she said, yeah, sure, you can do it, but uh, somebody needs to take care of you. So Eddie volunteers, and he comes out, and he helps me set up a little cot for myself. He says... I'm gonna go inside and get dressed for bed, but while I'm gone, you need to practice for me. And he had me put my fingers inside of myself and he says, I'll be back. He goes in and he gets changed and everybody's starting to go to bed and the lights get turned out and he comes out there. And that was the first night that he tried to put his fully erect penis inside of me. I was very, very small. I was about five years old. And it was extremely painful. Things started to get a little rougher from that point. Um, He would go a little further each time. I had this natural ability, though, to sort of meditate through the pain. I would um, focus on something. Like, there was a map that I used to look at in my grandfather's attic. And it was sort of 3-D, there's was three-dimensional. And I used to imagine that I was looking at the map from a bird's eye point of view and that I was flying over the the rivers and the valleys and the mountaintops. Meanwhile, you know, my body is on the floor. I'm on the scratchy carpet and there's sawdust around me and there's spider webs in the corners and it's just got this musty attic smell in the air. Once it was over, I came back to reality, and I would just go inside and just have the rest of my day. After remembering all of these things and knowing exactly what it was, and It was much more difficult to go and be with that side of the family on vacation. I had trouble sleeping. I didn't like to eat. My family sort of chalked it up to me being a rebellious teenager, that I'm just at that stage in my life that I just didn't want to be near them. But I was genuinely terrified that something would happen to me again. Even though the beers had stopped like years before, I was still very scared that it might might happen again. I was also very confused because he just, Eddie seemed to be so normal. He didn't seem to be having any trouble with what had happened. He just pretended like everything was fine near me. And I I remember just like if I had to sit next to him on the couch, I didn't like it. I would just sort of like clench my jaw and my hands would sweat and would just be very, very tense. When I was about 16 or so... Melissa, my older cousin, was getting married, and I was supposed to be a bridesmaid in her wedding. But by this point, I had been sort of involved with theater, and I had gotten into this play, and the show dates conflicted with her wedding. And when I learned that not only was I going to be in the wedding, but I was going to have to walk down the aisle with Eddie, I just started to make a plan. I was going to tell my mom that the play was very very important to me they they really really needed me to be in the show and so I was just going to have to put the wedding off she was like well you know they can't change the date around you're just going to have to put your family first I don't understand why you why you would want to be on a play more than you want to be in the wedding don't you love your family and I I'm like yes of course I love my family but it's just not enough for her and I can't pretend anymore and I can't put it aside any longer and so I say look there's something I haven't been telling you Um, when I was a little kid Eddie used to molest me and she says are you lying to me and I was so shocked (laughs) and so I say of course I'm telling you the truth but why would I She's just convinced. She's like, tell me the truth right now. You can't lie about something like this. This is a horrible thing that you're talking about. You have to tell me the truth right now. What's going on? And I'm like, that is the truth. I don't want to be in a dress, in a wedding, with this awful person that did this awful thing to me. How could you just not believe me. (laughs) And it's just, she's there and she's looking at me and I just need so much help from her and she won't give it to me. And she says, look, I'm gonna tell you something. The same thing happened to me when I was your age. I was molested by my cousin, and I never said anything. I just got on with my life, and that's what you're going to do. You're going to suck it up, and you're going to be there for the family. And I just refused. I just said, no, I can't. I can't do this anymore. I need help. We need to tell somebody. You have to help me. And she wouldn't. And, um... Eventually, she decides... (sighs) She decides that, um... That if I keep it secret... If I lie to the family and I tell them that I'd rather be in the play that I won't have to be in the wedding and it's not precisely the best case scenario but you know it gets me what I want so that's what I did I remember she made me call Melissa and tell her to just count me out and to this day I I think that Melissa doesn't she's not very fond of me because of it years pass, and I'm just pretending my heart out that I'm the perfect daughter, leading the perfect life, and I'm just happy, and I sing, and I dance, and I do plays, and that everything's fine. I did find a lot of joy in theater. I even went on to college to become an actor. The first year was good. I made some pretty awesome grades. I... Started partying a lot. I was sleeping around with a lot of guys that were not stellar for me. Doing drugs. Just being a wild child, basically. It gets to the point where I'm thinking to myself, God, something has to change because I don't think I'm going to graduate. I talked to a friend about it, and he said that he had been seeing a counselor. And I'm like, oh that I just you know, I don't think I'm crazy. Why would I need to see a counselor? And he's like, Look, trust me, you don't have to be crazy to go into therapy. So I gave it a shot. And we just peel back onion layers until we get down to the meat of it. I didn't realize how far that it had affected me and that how hiding it from my family and being told To keep it a secret was far more damaging, maybe, even than the abuse itself. My mom had told me, you know, you're going to break up the family if you tell anybody. But my therapist said this thing to me, I'll never forget it. It just shocked me to death. She says, don't you realize that your family's already broken and it's not your fault? And that was the first time that I ever had to sort of realize that I had been blaming myself for many years, I had just assumed that I was worthless. And I just started to turn all of my anger towards my mom. And we were having these horrible, horrible fights on the phone. and It was just a terrible period of anger. I started a fight with my brother as well. There was one phone conversation we were having and he didn't understand why i was so angry at everybody and why i was picking fights with my mom and you know he's going on about this and i just blurted it out i was like look i was abused when i was a kid and that's why i'm in therapy right now he takes a breath and he his voice just drops very low and he just sounds so heartbroken he goes what did you just say and I said I was molested when we were kids and it was a family member and he just stops and then he comes back on the phone and he says why would you lie to me and I say look I'm not lying to you I'm telling you the truth. And he says, no, it it can't be true. We were always together. He was always where you were. I was always there, too. I would have seen something. And I'm like, look, you were a kid. You were only a year older than me. And there were times when it happened when you were in the room. And I told him this story about how uh, we had... We were alone. We were being babysat by Eddie. We had set up a tent in the living room. And um, Tommy was playing video games. Eddie and I were in the tent. And he started to touch me. And I didn't want it to happen. So I started to crawl away. And Eddie grabbed me by the ankles. And put his hands over my mouth. And I couldn't call for help. And he just said, you're crazy. You need help. This is sick. I can't believe that you're making this up. And it's just déjà vu all over again. And I'm so sick of having to fight and defend myself over something that wasn't my fault. And um shortly thereafter I um uh, I remember this was when Hurricane Katrina had just hit New Orleans. And my uncle was down there living right outside of the city. He was by himself. And I was calling just to check on him and see if he was okay. And he's there on the phone with me. And um, he's like, hey, look, you know, there's somebody else here that wants to talk to you. Hang on just a second. And it's Eddie. And he just has this normal conversation with me about how's college, this is what I'm doing, I have a job, blah, 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 blah. And I'm in the middle of all of this therapy, realizing like how much he's hurt me. I can tie back the effects of what he's done to me to be indicative of my academic failure, you know, all this stuff, I'm just like furious with him. And I can't believe that he's just normal. He says to me, you know, I'm, I'm dating this girl. She's uh, into theater. She does all of this stuff. She, you know, she really mi- reminds me of you. And that just made me feel so disgusted. I just said, look, I got to go. And I hung up the phone. For the next three days, I just couldn't get any sleep at all. And I don't know when, I don't know specifically the moment it started, but I had begun to think about um, what wouldn't hurt. I just started filling up a bathtub with water. I don't even want to leave a note. I don't feel that I owe anything to anybody else. I don't feel that I have to explain myself. And I started lining up all of the pill bottles that I had along the edge of the tub. And hopefully I could just pass out in the water... And I would drown, and I wouldn't have to deal with anything anymore. So, the tub was full, and I turned off the faucet. And then I glanced at a photo of me and two of my best friends. And I thought to myself, what are they going to feel when they hear that I'm gone? I thought... How long is it going to take before somebody finds me? What will I look like when they do? Something... shifted in me... At one point, I don't... It's like I just went into autopilot, and then I had my had a phone in my hand, and it's like this other person in me is calling this suicide hotline, and I'm like, look, I'm having trouble. I might kill myself today. I need help. And I spent 17 days in a hospital undergoing treatment and psychological evaluation. Uh, during that time... I lost my job, I had to drop out of school because I had missed so much, and there was nowhere else for me to go. Since I wasn't a student anymore, I couldn't live on campus any longer, and I had to move back in with my mother. I felt very isolated at that time because everybody else was going off and graduating and leaving me behind. But I started going to sessions with this older gentleman he asked me you know are you taking any medication and i told him about all the pills i was taking and i I rattled off four different prescriptions and he he was like whoa 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 how many pills are you taking and i was like uh this this this, and this he goes that's a little extreme have you considered stopping the pills and i was like uh no don't i need them and he's like no just go ahead and stop uh let it get out of your system and then let me know how you feel and so I did. This, this guy is listening to me and going through all of these events with me and it just seems like he really cares and then he really hears me and he, he understands what I'm going through in a way that, that reminds me of how my father used to take care of me. My father died when I was, when I was younger, when I was about 12. And um, he always told me, you know, you don't have to do anything you want to do. And, you know, you've just got to be yourself. And this was like some of the same advice that this guy is giving me. And it just brings me to a place of stability that I honestly thought I wasn't ever going to achieve again. We even discussed that he thought, you know, maybe my brother really does believe me. And that just deep down inside nobody wants to believe that their greatest fears have come true and it took me years to come to that realization so I can't expect him to just just shift overnight to my side if it never happens I need to be okay with that which is a hard pill to swallow and I had to learn how to forgive my mom I was very angry that she didn't take care of me and she didn't you know get me the help that i wanted and i i would just keep on going about like well if she had then i would have done this and everything would have been so much better and and he he says to me since you can't change it what are you going to do from here on out you know i just had to learn to distance myself from them i'm an adult now i was a little less hopeless about the future i started to believe that I could finish school and that I could become somebody and that my abuse didn't have to define me and then the world was sort of open to me life is much better for me now than it was then I don't live at home anymore I don't even live in the same state anymore I'm trying my best to pursue my dreams here I have my friends all around me again and I do go back and visit every now and then, and it's a very interesting experience for me because sometimes when I'm in a plane and I'm headed back to New York, it feels like I'm headed back towards a home that's been there for me all along. I definitely feel like I'm carried towards a life that's worth living.